If you love all things movies, all things indie, or all things horror, then you've found yourself a home at Indie Horror Rising. Indie Horror Rising is a podcast from three tortured minds about indie horror cinema and indie horror filmmaking. Join the filmmakers behind The Nursery and The Headmistress as they go in-depth and behind the scenes of both the latest and most classic films on the indie horror scene. Stories, strategies, interviews, and more. Welcome to Indie Horror Rising. Hello and welcome once again to Indie Horror Rising, your favorite weekly podcast about indie horror filmmaking, indie horror films, and indie horror filmmakers. Indie Horror Rising is a Three Tortured Minds production. I'm one of those Tortured Minds and a co-host of the podcast, Jay Sapiro, and I'm here today with the other co-host. He's another Tortured Mind, my fellow filmmaker, my best buddy, Chris Nicholas. Chris, you were away last week. It's great to see you again. How was your vacation and how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks very much. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good, good, good. And uh, my my getaway was was nice. I was good. in sunny Las Vegas for several days yeah. with uh, a bunch of uh, family members, my sisters and their families. We uh, got together. We had some good food, did some gambling, and uh, uh, it was nice. It was nice to to get away. It was kind of, my understanding was kind of crummy here. And so it was it nice was. to be in nice warm weather uh, and uh, get to walk around outside and get to, uh, uh, like I said, uh, the, the bucks were playing while I was out there. So I got to make some wagers in the bucks games and, <laughs> uh, and do some other uh, uh, NBA playoff stuff that I like to do. And uh, we just had a, we had a, we had a nice, nice time, nice time. Was, Thanks for asking. Yeah. I was wondering if you went to a sports book and watched the bucks play at all. Um, I was going to text you, but I thought, oh, he's, he's on vacay. Let me no. just relax a little bit. Say, Where are you? What are you doing now? Are you watching the game? But I that's did. Always fun. And you're right. You miss some really crappy weather here in Madison, Wisconsin. And good for you for getting away. If nothing else, just to be somewhere nice and sunny. And now that you're back, it's turning nice here. So you bring the sunshine, Chris. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my brand. I bring the sunshine. Right. Uh, I will say, though, I did not. I made a point of not watching uh, the Bucks game at the, uh, at the Cosmopolitan, Cosmopolitan Sportsbook. <laughs> Because really? the last time yeah. uh, I was there with you, mm -hmm. uh, we saw our uh, our good pal Yana Santatacumbo uh, nearly uh, lose two years of, uh, of his career to a yeah. catastrophic knee injury. We were both sitting there with our jaws uh, <laughs> on the floor when uh, we were watching the Bucks of the playoffs last year, and he went down. That was a sobering moment, but that uh, was, of course, he got up again and uh and uh, a week later was back on the court and went on to win the championship but i did not want to push my luck this time <laughs> so there was no sports watching at the cosmo found the game somewhere else i can't imagine there was another place where you could watch the, uh, the bucks in las vegas well good well i'm glad you're back i'm glad that it was an all right time and i'm looking forward to this uh this podcast this interview today this podcast today is also going to be an all right time, <laughs> maybe even better. Um, all right. Yes, because we have uh, we're very excited uh, uh, to be uh, speaking today with Branko Tomovic, who is a, uh, a very well regarded and, and well known Serbian actor who mm -hmm. has been acting for many many years. He's yeah. done a lot of uh, uh, a lot of recognizable things that uh, a lot of our uh, a lot of our listeners would have seen, um, and uh, is making now his feature 
feature uh, direct uh, directorial debut uh, with the uh, uh, horror film set in Serbia mm-hmm. called Vampire, and it is a extraordinarily moody, eerie, yes. atmospheric uh, uh, horror film, vampire uh, film that uh, I found extremely compelling, and I'm just really, uh, really excited to talk to uh, uh, Bronco today. I agree. I, I felt the same way. Wrote some of the same words down about it. Uh, it certainly has a, a feel and a vibe that, uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk to him about it too and see how he put it together and the thought process behind it because it's a film that you start watching and you, it does certainly draw you in. I mean, it's it's you get what you're looking for with this film when you're looking for a good vampire film. But we'll get into that more. We'll talk with him about it. Um, but what do you say we uh, maybe take a quick break and then we come back, we will discuss Vampire. Let's do it. An isolated home. I go crazy out here in the middle of nowhere. I think there are a few more houses around, but it's pretty spread out. An infant child. You are Julie Miller's first babysitter. A tragic secret. I never told you what happened to my mom. I know she died. That's what I tell people. The terrifying first film from the next generation of horror masters. Oh my God. The rising chill of panic. I'm sitting here with a bunch of paranoid hysterics talking about ghosts. There's no such thing as ghosts. The pungent stench of dread. And she was just staring at us. You just said you couldn't see her face. I know, but I could feel it. An evil demon from beyond the grave. We have to get out of here. Why is she doing this? Why is she after us? I don't know. Why now? Raw. Riveting. Terror. The nursery. A new generation of horror is born. And welcome back to Indie Horizon. Thanks again for joining us this week. A man from London comes to a small remote village in Serbia to look after the cemetery there. He starts to have nightmarish visions and suspects that the friendly villagers have more sinister intentions with him in the eerie, atmospheric new horror film, Vampire. And Jay and I are very, very pleased to be joined today by the writer, director, and star of Vampire, Branko Tomovic. Branko, welcome to Indie Horizon. Hi, thank you for having me. We we are just so glad to have you here. Uh, thanks so much, and congratulations on just a terrific uh, f- debut feature as as yeah. director. This is your debut feature, and it is just so impressive. We we couldn't have been more thank impressed. You. Thank you. Cheers. So let's start with that. We've. I just would love to know mm-hmm. you have you have a long, you know, high quality filmography as an actor with lots of different kinds of films. Um, but for your feature debut as a director, you you j- jumped into this brooding, very atmospheric, you know, classical feeling horror film. What is it about the horror genre that made you want to jump in with both feet for your first feature? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because it's my absolute favorite genre. So it was totally easy to do horror film for me. Um, that's what I always wanted to do. I love horror films the most. Um, 
And what I love most about horror films is the creativity and that there's no limitation to your imagination and all these things. Um, so this is my feature debut film, but I've done um, obviously short films as a writer-director before. And they weren't necessarily horror, but they were genre for sure. They were like, one was about the illegal organ trade, so a dark thriller, and the other one was about human trafficking, so it's very dark. Um, but Vampire obviously is, a, is horror, horror. <laughs> And I always thought that my first feature film um, is going to be a genre film. And so I'm really, it, it couldn't have been anything else, really. So, <laughs> Right. Well, it, it is such an effective horror film. But the, the horror, it, it really comes at us in different levels and on different levels. I appreciated the effective but not excessive use of gore, the really good jump scares and the reveals. But what really impressed me, and I just was so taken with it when watching your film, was the overall and consistent atmosphere that you created. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a sign of just a great filmmaker. Someone that can find that atmosphere, find that vibe, and stay with it consistently throughout the film. So hats off to you for doing that and with your, your first feature film. But how difficult was that to find that vibe, that atmosphere, that tone, and then stick with it throughout the film? Well, first of all, thank you for this huge compliment, because <laughs> that was also absolutely my intention, that atmosphere and to create the certain world that this character comes to and to create this um, kind of like foreign experience, fish out of water experience. And um, um, so I think my most of my imagination, most of my inspiration I take from nightmares and from paintings, actually. Mm. And, um, like Edward Hopper, for instance, is a great reference for me with the, the way he works with shadows and light and the isolation of the characters. And I obviously we didn't have much money for the film. <laughs> it's very, very, um, well, it was a very modest budget to say, to say the least. Um, so we were always limited, limited by our, um, by, by things that we could do actually. And, um, so the story needed to be simple and I only wanted to use practical effects and all these things. And, and Kafka also is a great inspiration for the story. So for the character to, to have this claustrophobic experience and everything slowly creeping in and, um, with the music as, as well. So, um, yeah, that was the thought behind that always. Well, a lot of that atmosphere, uh, too, I'll just kind of jump in on that is to me, I'm a huge fan of like the old classic horror films. You know, I, I grew up on the stuff from the twenties and the thirties and the forties, even though I'm yes. not that old, I watched them on TV. <laughs> um, but, uh, what I loved was the was what seemed to be so much referencing of these like mm. wonderful classics. You know, uh, just off the top of my head, at the at the just even at the beginning when when the cabbie refuses to take uh, your character all the way to the village, it just felt like the coach driver in Dracula refusing yes. to go <laughs> to Castle Dracula. Um, True. You're in the in the uh, in the poster, for example, which is right behind you. You know, you the image looks just like uh, not as much um, Murnau's Nosferatu, but it looks very much like mm -hmm. Herzog's Nosferatu, you know, and, and I kept being struck that during the movie, 
your character could have been like the human, you know, 200 years mm-hmm. before he was this rotting vampire. You know, it, it could have been you, you know, who became um, Count Dracula in Herzog's Nosferatu. And then the part that I the moment that I loved is there seemed to be a very direct reference Um the uh, the the image of the man with the scythe seemed to come right out of yes. Dreyer's vampire, and I just I just loved catching that stuff. It just made me feel like I was in good hands as someone who just you know a filmmaker who loved and appreciated these classics and wanted to bring some of that feel to to his movie. I love that. Thank you. Yes, exactly. That was the thought behind it. So I'm not a huge fan of all these like modern horror films which are just about jump scares and bang 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 all the time so I'm, I'm a huge fan of exactly like the driest bump here from from the 1920s and also like twilight zone for instance was a great good reference uh, as if i always thought like this film could be something like a long episode of the twilight zone <laughs> yeah definitely um, also obviously because back then they had those limitations they didn't have cgi or like huge budgets and they they needed to come up with something creative and um and manifest that in the story in like creative ways with camera angles or production design or whatsoever. And that's what we try to do all along as well. And with Dracula, obviously, everybody always thinks when they hear vampires, they think of Bram Stoker and Dracula. Um, but funnily, the actual origin of vampires is from Serbia. Um, that's where also the word is from. And um, that was in the beginning of the 18th century when it belonged to the Austro-Hungarian um, empire and there were like these Austrian doctors who came to Serbia and discovered these um, well victims of vampirisms um, so that's where the film is based on as well and inspired by and it's based on and inspired by and you shot there too and is yes. this your, and this is and it's and it's your you have a you have a connection with the with the location and with the set with the house can you talk a little bit about that Yes. So I basically spent every summer as a kid there in Serbia, in that Serbian village, actually, it still exists. And, and, you know, even this day and age, people are so superstitious and scared. And if they have these weird beliefs and superstitions about vampires and death in general, and all these things, it's quite interesting. At the same time, they're very religious, because usually superstition and religion doesn't go hand in hand, but over there, (laughs) it does. And um, one of the uh, most famous vampire cases, Arnold Pavlo was from our neighboring village um, where we shot actually. And so people are just still scared even now, even though that happened beginning of 1700s, but it's, the, it's, it's really weird and you feel it in the air. And one of Arnold Pavlo's victims was from our village and that house still exists and um, nobody still dares to go in there even. Um, oh. It's yeah, it's really interesting. And that cemetery where we shot actually is also like so many hundred years old. And also I shot, uh, I wrote the entire script around what, what we had actually. So because I knew the locations of the village and um, the two main location was basically the cemetery and opposite the, that, that house, which belonged to my grandfather who died 10 years ago or so. And it has been empty ever since. So I wrote the whole film around those two locations that I had and then the rest in the village actually. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, wow. it just it so effective. Yeah, go ahead. I, I had been I had been thinking as I as I was we were getting into the film and maybe about a half hour into it, I thought, how did he ever find such a brilliant location? <laughs> I mean, you know, and and then I thought, I wonder if it had to have almost been written for this location. Like, what story could grow out of this? Uh, because it's just so perfect. It just the whole thing just feels so perfect. 
Yeah. The funny thing, though, is we shot in September and unexpectedly it was still about 33 Celsius degrees. So it was really hot and humid and the green was just like Irish fresh and very bright, which <laughs> wasn't a cool look for the film. So I burned some of the trees myself, actually, <laughs> to have that like wow. kind of like rotten brownish look. And also in the grade, we, we brought it down just to enhance that atmosphere, make it a bit more atmosphere, atmospheric and a bit more dangerous as well, rather than this beautiful, fresh Irish green. Yeah. yeah. Well, your colorist nailed it. I mean, it certainly added to that tone and the overall look and feel. I have to mention, though, because Chris was talking about some of the classic movies and, and the classic films that <laughs> you, you pay homage to with your film here. But you mentioned it with The Twilight Zone. There are a couple scenes in there. I thought this is The Twilight Zone. This could be an episode. <laughs> that I don't want to give away and describe what happens to some of those scenes. But that was just so well done. This movie is so I, I, fun is the wrong word. It's so enjoyable. It's such a it's such a a wonderful experience for those that appreciate film and appreciate horror, but appreciate the fact that you put all these things together for us to kind of feast on. And you started to talk about this. I'd like you to, to kind of go a little deeper with it. You mentioned you don't like the loud noises of the kind of the more modern horror films. And you mentioned um, just a little bit, you hinted at with the score there with music. Um, I did a little digging after listening to your score and thought that's so unique. It's so singular and, and and it wasn't too big but it was per the perfect amount of moody so to speak and i read that you it's a it's a traditional instrument that has it's a one-stringed instrument and it's the only instrument that's used as in the scoring of your film is that right that's correct yes wow. we only had one instrument for the entire film but you can't hear it really like it's, it's yeah um the instrument is like this classic old serbian just as you say it's one string it's called gusle and uh, the, the, that sound is very annoying, actually. It's it's maybe like a mix between a broken cello and a weird violin. And usually they have this really weird singing next to it. And it's very repetitive and very tormenting, actually. I always find that so annoying as a child. So I thought it would be perfect to have like this local tone in the music as well. And we totally mixed it up and um, our wonderful composer mark ashworth was so he never played that instrument before so i actually brought it in serbia for him and then shipped it over to london for him and he had some time a couple of months to like just experiment and go crazy on it wow uh, so speaking of speaking yeah. of local flavor um we'd love to talk about your cast a little bit yeah. uh, first of all where on earth did you find your lead actor who was just terrific <laughs> yeah. um, did you did you always intend on when you were writing it were you intending to play the lead role was it always kind of what you were intending or or what was your thinking uh, to come to that conclusion no, I did not actually. <laughs> but when it came to that, you know, obviously it's hard enough to do an independent film. And then during COVID, even so much harder. Um, so we shot it during the pandemic. We had the small window of like three weeks where we could do it before everything closed down again. And also, you know, again, we didn't have much money really. So it wasn't easy really to find somebody who was willing to go to Serbia for like four weeks or three weeks shooting and be bitten, attacked, tormented, tortured, buried buried alive all these things for next to nothing <laughs> so in the end it was just easier for myself to do it and you know acting is still my day job so um that was the easiest of all the obligations uh, and responsibilities as a director that you have um being in front of the camera was really like the simplest also obviously because i spent so much time with the script and developing the character and the story so i knew exactly what's needed and all these things and i enjoyed it actually as well um my parents were there as well 
because they live now in that village. And my mom was always shocked when I came home, like drenched in blood from head to toe <laughs> and she <laughs> cried and all these things. <laughs> that was quite funny. <laughs> and it was, it's not just even, I mean, and, and feel free if you want to talk about the other, like, you know, speaking cast members and yeah. the other professional actors, but everyone who appears in this movie, I assume it was a lot of locals, you know, forming the background because the faces and the character of the, yes. uh, I mean, it just was so authentic and it just, everyone just everything about it just fit it just seemed like you really seemed present and there from the moment we mm -hmm. entered the village till, till the moment it, it, you know we fade to black and i'll add to that that you nailed the art of having a smile be extremely <laughs> creepy and horrifying i mean some of the you see an old woman that smiles at you you want to have a nice <laughs> feeling but my gosh you know, poop your pants with some of the looks you get from, from these villagers. So this is right. I mean, the way you put this together with, with the cast, with all these extras and that sometimes extras feel like extras. It's like, okay, you know, they're, yeah. they're there, but oh, these yeah. extras, they just fit like, you know, hand mm. in glove. You did such a great job finding these folks. Thank you. Yeah. That, that was absolutely important as well to have that authenticity and those characterful faces. And um, Eva Ras, who plays this old woman who appears in those nightmares, um, she's, this, actually, she's a Balkan screen legend. Um, she's now 82 years old. She was 81 when we filmed, and she's been acting since she was 20. And all her films always, back then in the 60s, even premiered at Cannes, Venice, and all these big film festivals. And when we offered her the role, she agreed to do it right away. And um, then the funny thing is when she arrived on set, um, she said she never read the script. <laughs> wow. the first thing that she had to do was actually like uh, i don't want to like reveal anything but with the blood spitting oh, right. um so i just wondered like does she actually know what she has to do and she didn't but she was so brave and as i said she's over 80 but like she had still this energy of a small child even she was so childlike and so full of energy and passion and enthusiasm um even the 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 where, that scene where she licks her fingers with the blood that wasn't in the script actually that was her like we couldn't stop her <laughs> so she really went for it and yeah. really enjoyed it wow. and this was wow. her first horror film for her as well and um, that was just wonderful yeah and the other actor actors as well um, Gorica Regodic who plays Vesna and Joachim Tasic who plays the priest um, we had like a huge casting actually in London and uh, Berlin uh, Belgrade and Croatia as well. Um, and at the end of the day, we thought they were the ones who we wanted for this film because we thought they fit the character the best, what we had in mind with the story and the vision. Uh, and they were wonderful. Everybody was so wonderful. Yeah. 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 You mentioned, you referenced the priest. Um, and earlier you had talked about uh, the idea of, uh, of uh, religion and superstition kind of going hand in hand. Um, I assume that it was an Orthodox church that, that you were set in there. Um, and yes. I loved the use of it, you know, although I'm Greek Orthodox, so I recognize a lot of, a lot of the, yes, the yes. ceremony and the icons and the authenticity. Um, and I just, I remember when I was a kid, I remember the priest coming through our house and blessing the house with the yeah. censer and the incense, the exact same way that, you know, we didn't have vampires, but um, it, <laughs> it was, it was just, it was chilling because it was so authentic, but it also, I, I felt even if you don't have that experience with it, it adds this that that level of spirituality that just kind of like darkens, you know, as the movie goes on, and you don't know if the priest is going to be mixed up, and it, it's just uh, the the use of the church and the and the religious uh, imagery was wonderful. 
Yeah, that's uh, exactly. I love those icons and it's so opulent in a way and so rich and all that gold and all these things. Funny thing though is um, it was so hard to find a church. In every village, there's a church almost. There's so many churches, but they all belong to one um, kind of like one bishop in that area. And he had a saying um, with with the location as well. And so funny thing is that he went to film school before he became a priest and then this patriarch <laughs> there. <laughs> so he read the script and he didn't allow us to shoot anywhere oh. in his churches. He said, the film is unethical, unreligious, unholy, and it should never be made. <laughs> wow. That's your, that's your marketing right there. there you, you, go. Go. you got your marketing <laughs> well, <yeah>. copy. <laughs> but also, you know, obviously there's nothing, we don't say anything bad about the church or the priest. The priest is actually the only good character in the film, um, if you may say mm -hmm. so. Um, but we did find a church then further away. And it was also a bit tricky to get that <laughs> but we we managed eventually wow. and uh, for me it was just it was the opposite i had nothing i i didn't say anything bad about the church in any way it was the opposite like i wanted to show the beauty and exactly what this orthodox church is all about with those icons and and those long beards that, that the priests have and uh, yeah it was just so stunning i thought yeah, it was very effective. I thought it was very effective, and it just it plays against all the darker imagery. Uh, yeah, um, and then again, there's there's a couple moments with the priest that we just, as Jay mentioned, we we tend not to do spoilers, and so I don't want to get into yeah. it because it was so effective. Mm -hmm. But that was just so eerie and creepy that you're like, what the heck just happened, you know? And you're wondering, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, but part of that effectiveness is just because you've got the 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 beautiful religious piece, you know, next to like, what's the, you know, what's the dark thing that's happening here. So just, just wonderful. Thanks, Absolutely. And you started to, to talk a bit about how you had a, you know, kind of a limited cast and crew and you are of course the director, the writer and starring in the film, but how difficult was it for you to direct and star in the film? Because I got to tell you, it's not <laughs> like your performance is lacking. I was just so drawn into your character. Okay. I felt the despair or the confusion at first, then the despair. I really felt your isolation. And I could, I could almost feel myself doing what you were doing, like my eyes darting around trying to put the pieces <laughs> together, thinking, what is happening? You know, is this really going on? Are these things happening? And to feel just so completely isolated and alone. You did so mm. much through nonverbal just acting that just spoke to us. But that that first of all, that can't, that's not easy as an actor. But then now you're directing as well, trying to figure out, did I even get the shot the right way? Did you lean heavily on your assistant directors in that? Or is this something that, you know, because you're, you've, you're such a, a well-known and such a wonderful actor that you're like, I, I got the acting thing. We're good. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. No, well, I guess it helps to have a split personality for once. <laughs> and also um, the, the time that you have in pre-production um, is the best time you can spend on doing things like you, you can really take your time in pre-production because that's not where the money goes, so to speak. You can have meetings, talk about shot lists, talk about mm -hmm. angles, talk about the schedule, all these things in your own time and really map out what you want to do once you come to shooting. Um, so once it comes to shooting and you have only so and so many hours per day and so many days per week, um, you don't want to, Sadly, actually, you, you, we didn't have that luxury of experimenting much on set once we were there. So everything was already kind of like pre-planned and we always knew that everything is so tight. We knew exactly what we were doing when we were there. 
And um, also we were limited by obviously daylight and um, locations and permits and all these things. So all the time that you have in pre-production is the best time that you can try and figure out what you want to do. I'm not a huge fan of like storyboards though, because mm -hmm. I also like to work with what's really there. Um, but having a shot list definitely helps. And then again, there wasn't really the time to like jump back and forth between the camera and um, the monitor to check what I've just done. And um Obviously, with the crucial scenes where it's really important, I needed to do that. But otherwise, there's a lot of trust <laughs> in your AD and also yeah. DOP. Um, so everybody was just on the same page and we knew exactly what we were doing once we got to shooting. Yeah. Oh, you must have been super organized and the pre-production definitely helped because, yeah. boy, it's, it's a film that you, that you watch. And, you know, we see a lot of independent films, a lot of horror films. And you just can't find anything. So they think, oh, you know, they kind of, kind of went a little light there or there's an issue there. This again, I just have to say it again for the folks listening. This film just takes you in. It feels like a classic horror film, like Chris had mentioned. And the atmosphere is just so wonderful that you just want to, just want to stay with this film. And it feels like this is going to become a classic indie horror film. This is, this is one that, that has definitely has staying power that other folks are going to look to for inspiration. So just, I can't say enough nice things about the film and your performance. <laughs> thank you so and much. Director. Thank now you, the, now you the so bad much. stuff. Now we're going to talk about <laughs> all the bad stuff. <laughs> Here are all the issues we found. Part, part two. No, just, One list. just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I am curious though. Will you, do you think you'll stay with horror for your next feature? Uh, or are you thinking about something or what, what do you, what do you have on tap next? Yes, definitely. I'm writing the next one actually right now. It's going to be a slasher comedy this time, also in a small Eastern European village. <laughs> oh wow! Oh really? Well, that's that's right up, right up our alley. We can't. Yeah. We'll definitely, we will be following that one with a uh, uh, with a lot of anticipation. Um, yeah. yeah. Are you? Or do you think you'll star in it again, or do you think you may not this time? N not in the lead. It's going to be definitely a bit more complex with much more characters as well, and obviously on a bigger scale, hopefully, and hopefully also with more money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sadly not allowed to say how much we spent on Vampy, but trust me, it was actually no budget. It was below micro budget. It was really nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, I've been on set as an actor on other productions where they spent more money on one lunch um, than what we had for the entire film from pre-production over filming to post-production. Wow. <laughs> so. Must have been a hell of a lunch. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Where now can we can we see Vampire? Is it uh, is it playing in certain areas, not in certain areas, or or what's the best way for our audience to see it? It's coming to the US and UK on May sixteenth on okay. on the usual VODs. Okay, yeah. excellent, excellent. Is it is it playing in in Europe currently? Is it already released in Europe, or is is it making its debut in the in the North America? Well, we had the world premiere was at Citrus Film Festival last year, and then followed by Raindance in the UK and followed by other festivals. And we had the cinema release in the Balkan countries, Serbia, oh, cool. Bosnia, and so on, um, just end of last year. And so now UK and US is next. And we're were very you, excited about Yeah. Hmm? Were you able to do those uh, festivals or were they mostly virtual because of COVID? Oh, I did some, yeah. I couldn't go to Sitges because that clashed with the Serbian premiere and they needed me to be there, sadly. So, But I did go to Raindance and all the other ones, yeah. And it was really it was so interesting as well to see their reaction in the different countries as well, mm. um, how people react to it. Um, 
funnily, I think the further they are away from Serbia or Eastern Europe, the stronger their reaction is actually. Also, because it was always a choice that we didn't have subtitles over the Serbian language. Um, so you feel that claustrophobia and that feel of like not belonging so much more. Yeah. You, you don't know what they're saying. You can't re really read their faces. And that was always intentional as well. Yeah. Yeah, very well. The movie's terrific, as Jay said. I don't want to. I don't want to get repetitive here, but it's a terrific film. It's Vampire. It is uh, a wonderful movie. And and Branko Tomovic, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. We just had just a blast. Uh, are lucky lucky to get a shot at seeing the film. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you both so much for having me. Really, <laughs> absolutely. Well, we we're yeah. definitely going to have you back for your for your slasher <laughs> comedy yeah. for sure. If <laughs> if not before then, but uh, but for now, uh, we'll we'll say our goodbyes, and Jay and I will be back uh, uh, briefly after this quick break to wrap up this edition of Indie Horror Rising with our bloody good stuff and more. So please stay tuned for that right after this. Without sound, the radio is just a box in your car. Without a signature sound, your business is just like the other guys. Don't be like the other guys. Let Audio for the Arts help you find the right sound for your business. You've already heard ads produced by our staff here at Audio for the Arts on this and other stations. Visit audiofortheartscom or call 608-255-0511 to schedule a studio tour and consultation. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Indie Horror Rising. And thanks again to Bronco for, for sitting down and talking with us a little bit. You know, we both talked about this at the beginning of the podcast that it, the film is so moody. It has such a great, interesting, dark vibe to it. The, the film definitely has a brand and, and he just has to be so proud that he was able to, in his directorial debut, craft a film that I think is really going to make a mark and leave an impression and is going to catapult his career even more. So he has had a wonderful career with acting. He's done some great writing and some directing and shorts, but I think that this film is going to really move him in a, in another direction, in a good direction. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's already, you know, earned a lot of uh, festival recognition and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and I, you know, as I referenced in the interview, um, it just has it, it. It feels so much like some of the some of these old classic horror movies that uh, yeah. um, um, that you know. Some of which I'm sure were were conscious references, and some of which was just you know his sensibility. But you know, for me, loving those kind of old older movies, uh, I just I just loved I just loved the feel of this one, and um, yeah, I just yeah, really I really was excited to talk to him and and really excited to see what comes next so uh so bravo bravo bronco so <laughs> that's what i that's what i have to say um i also have to say however that uh, yeah. the other thing that uh, uh i've been looking forward to because we haven't talked in a couple weeks is uh one of my favorite one of my favorite times of the show is when you jay sapiro give mm. your bloody good stuff which is kind of one thing we're thinking about watching listening to experiencing that we want to share with uh with our listeners uh uh so i'm curious what your bloody good stuff is this week jay well after watching vampire and started thinking about other films in the vampire genre um and i kind of wanted to focus my bloody good stuff on what we do in the shadows but oh, yes, i'm hoping here. which is totally very consistent with <laughs> it's very <laughs> vampire, yes. it's, it's almost the same film um <laughs> I'm hoping that we'll do that as a dark dive someday. So I'm not, I didn't do that. I'm not going to, uh, yeah, I don't I'm in. You're I'm a big in. fan. All right, great. Um, so instead of that, 
I have for you. IndieWire's the same one, the 14 no. best vampire movies ever made. No, That's great. my bloody good stuff. Uh, it's kind of a cop out a little bit, but when you have a genre film like this, you start thinking about other films yep. and then all of a sudden you're at all these lists and there's a lot of them out there, but IndieWire, why not? Why not pick them? Because, you know, it's IndieWire. Um, and I'm not going to go through all of them. I'll point out some, but I forgot that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was even a film. Oh, <laughs> I just yeah, think yeah. of the show so much and I never saw the 1992 film. Um, did you end up seeing that one? Yeah, I never saw the show. I've never seen the show, but I love like, the movie. I think the you movie do? is just wonderful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay, let's put that on our list too. Okay. Uh, but I, I forgot about it. But um, some of the one other ones that are on there that I have seen that I have enjoyed, um, it, they have as number eight, What We Do in the Shadows. So happy. Terrific. Yeah. Put it in there. Yep. Number seven, Bram Stroker's Dracula. Sure. Francis Ford Coppola from 1992. Number six is one I think you're going to like. I'm going to give you a couple hints. It's a group of people quarantined on a remote Greek island in 1912. Uh, it stars. Is that Isle of the Dead? It is. Yeah. It's going to give you the Boris Karloff. Yeah. I, have, I have hanging just outside my office. I have an original lobby card for Isle of the Dead yep. uh, right. with a nice picture of Boris Karloff on it. Money. So you're, that's your guy. That's your boy. Yeah. Chronos. Uh, uh, I think I saw part of this. Guillermo del Toro, 1993. Yep. yep. Um, we wouldn't have seen that together. Would we, we would not have uh, seen that together. It's. Uh, I think that was his debut, actually. His, that was. Uh, his that was his debut. His feature. Uh, yeah. And it's a very good film. Very, very good film. Yeah. So that's that's another one that that's one that I'm going to try to revisit. The Hunger. Um, oh, sure. That stood out as well. Uh, and then... What do you what do you think is their number one? It's a classic. It's the one you're thinking of. Yeah, it's, save. it's not. It, I, I can't imagine they would do the 1931 uh, Dracula. Um, no, would it be? It would be uh, Horror of Dracula, the uh, Christopher Lee uh, from 1922. Christian? Oh, of course, Nosferatu. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they they put that as number one. I would assume that a lot of folks have that as their number one. It's the go to one. It's the you know. The classic they're all classics it is a pretty extraordinary movie when you think of it, it from is. back then all yeah. the interesting things they do all cinematically the in the light yep. and shadow yeah yep. yeah terrific so. uh terrific movie and interestingly uh it's been the subject of uh um the subject of talk about a remake just in recent yeah. weeks. There's been a lot of news about it uh, to do a second remake. It was remade by Werner Herzog uh, back in the late seventies. And then there was some, there's been talk of another, um, and I'm blanking on the director's name right now, but the, the guy who did the witch in the lighthouse mm-hmm. um, has been trying to put together a remake for several years. And uh, That'd be um, tough. It, would, it would be tough, but That'd it'd be, be interesting. Daunting. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very interesting. That would be. That would be um, good list. So that's my, good list. That's my bloody good stuff. It's a nice little list of some campier ones, some funnier ones, some, and then some real classics. So I thought, yeah, not a bad one to share with the folks out there and remind myself of some films that I would like to either rewatch or watch for the first time. So Great. that's my bloody good stuff this week. Indie Wire's list of the best vampire films, 14 of them. Chris, what's your bloody good stuff this week? Well, my bloody good stuff this week also relates to this show, but not this week's show. Okay. <laughs> uh, the last time that you and I did a, a dark dive, we were joined by a friend of the podcast, Jason Hewlett, and we uh, did a dark dive on Witchboard, uh, the uh, the 1986 uh, film about Ouija board uh, uh 
horror. And um, I happened to stumble across just this morning as I was looking for some other unrelated stuff that just yesterday, JoeBlow.com uh, did a uh, uh, an episode of their best horror movie you never saw videos um, on Witchboard. And I thought, you know what? We gave a lot of opinion. We had a lot of things to say about Witchboard. I thought it might be interesting to find bloody good stuff this week to, to share with our listeners uh, this uh, video, which is always interestingly done. It's an, it's usually a 15, a 10 to 20 minute narrated uh, video uh, with lots of clips from the movie, uh, kind of an overview of the film, you know, some interesting facts and, and stuff about the movie. And then, you know, some, some opinion on how it was um, to just kind of compare what they thought of, uh, of Wishboard to what we thought of Wishboard. And so that's going to be my bloody good stuff this week. Uh, Wishboard revisited the horror movie review on uh, Joe Blow's uh, best horror movie you never saw series. And this this particular one is uh, uh, written and produced by uh, Cody Hammond. So it just came out yesterday. So very interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, interesting stuff about it. I'll just share a few quick facts that I thought were that I did not come across for our um, our dark dive on it, but that they had in here. Uh, one that the Tawny Catan role was uh, uh, very much they wanted it to go to Deborah Foreman. They basically cast Deborah Foreman, who was in uh, uh, at the time she was more most famous for Valley Girl, but she was also the lead, of course, in another uh, dark dive we did, April Fool's Day, and uh, they wanted her for the lead in this and and cast her for the lead in this, apparently. But she demanded uh, top billing um, because she was at that point in her career where she could get top billing, but they had already promised it to uh, to Todd Allen, who played Jim. And so they couldn't give her top billing. And so she dropped out and they cast Tawny Catan instead. Second fun fact was said actress, Tawny Catan, was apparently at the time having a very torrid affair with one O.J. Simpson, who had just recently been married. And uh, you're nodding, so you must have seen yeah. that. I, I missed yeah, that. And apparently yeah. O.J. was often on set and sneaking around under like false names and stuff. Like that. But it was an open secret that they were having an affair and uh, and so he was hanging around quite a bit, uh, <laughs> which is like the one thing I think he may have done bad in his entire life. <laughs> That's right. The one That's thing right. I can think of that may not have been completely above board on. Um, and then the 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 thing I loved is apparently uh, the director. Uh, Kevin Tenney, they did a uh, um, they did a New York screening for potential distributors, and they uh, uh, they brought in um, you know average people off the streets so that uh, the distributors could get a, a, f- a sense of how people were going to react to the movie, the you know, general public react to the movie. And apparently, just before the movie began, uh, director uh, Kevin Tenney had a panic attack because he thought, "I don't know if this is scary." Because I put so much of my energy and effort into character development and the performances that I just don't know if this movie is going to be scary enough. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> uh, well done, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So some very uh, some some interesting facts, but it's it is actually a fun uh, fun interesting video. We'll of course uh, share a link. Um, maybe even embed it into our uh, show notes. Um, but it's uh, a Witchboard Revisited, the horror movie uh, review, the best horror movie you never saw on JoeBlow.com. So that's my bloody good stuff for the week. 
Interesting. So yes, people have to listen to our podcast and watch that and make that comparison. Good one. Indeed they do. And the other thing that people need to do is they need to go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, follow this podcast, wherever they get their podcasts, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts, please follow us. Please uh, like us. Please uh, go ahead and uh, and uh, make sure you're getting us delivered to your devices each and every week. And while you're doing that, you might as well just leave a rating or uh, a review for us as well. Also, please feel free to follow us on social media. We are at uh, um, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash three tortured minds. That's the word three, three tortured minds. We're on Twitter uh, at uh, it's at uh, three tortured minds at three, the number at three tortured minds. And then of course our blog where you find all kinds of interesting uh, information, links, trailers, show notes. We'll of course have a, a bio of Bronco. We'll have a, we'll have a trailer for a uh, vampire and so much more in our show notes this week on our blog, which is at three tortured minds.wordpress.com. And uh, once again, thanks to Bronco for joining us. Uh, best of luck to him with Vampire. It's a terrific film. And uh, thanks to you, Jay, for another uh, outstanding episode of Indie Horror Rising. Thank you, Chris. Thanks to you, too. And looking forward to doing this again next week. Sounds good. We'll talk to you then. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.